Why, hello there, and welcome back to another episode of the... Dirty Talk Podcast. So much has happened since the last time we spoke with you all. I guess there's more than 8 billion of you out there now. Oh my God. That's something new. That's changed within the last week. You heard about that. We have officially broken 8 billion people on this planet. So welcome, all 8 billion. We are sure you are listening to this podcast. We know you're not all Patreon supporters because yet <laughs> yet because our numbers are quite low compared to no, 8 billion <laughs> i disagree we have good numbers we just don't have 8 billion listeners which would be a big ask yes now i've been saying 8 billion people on the planet for years because i was anticipating this week and i would keep getting corrected and people would be like rain it's not 8 billion and i've been waiting for this moment for years because i was rounding up to 8 billion mm-hmm and I knew this moment would happen, and now it has. Uh, and there is, you know, some sweet, I am correct taste in my mouth right now. It took a little while to get there, but I knew this moment would happen, and here we are. Just give me a moment. I'm <laughs> you're, gonna, you're just going to savor your 8 billion vindication? I am going <laughs> to. I don't know why my brain kept going to 8 billion, but for a couple of years, multiple years now, I've kept leaning towards 8 billion because I knew this is where we were heading and now we are here. So I was right. It was just a delay of a couple years while people's genitals got with the program. Don't worry. We all make rounding errors at some point. (laughs) I've made my fair share. Now it's not an error. I am indeed correct. You are. The other development that has happened this week is you are one step closer to being able to eat meat. (gasps) Go on. You didn't hear about this. No, I didn't. No, I've I had a very busy week. I've been a bit offline. I'm sorry. Things have happened. And it's not that I don't have some interesting topics for today's podcast, but I've not been, I've been uh, working all this week. And so I've missed out, I guess, on both the 8 billion and the meat. What's up with the meat? Uh, the FDA has approved a new lab-grown meat startup company that they can start selling their lab-grown chicken. I know that you were waiting. You didn't want to harm any animals. Very important for me not to harm any animals. Except for humans. Only if they're asking for it and deserve it. Mm -hmm. That's not true. I actually don't want to harm humans. Only if they beg you to and say, please, ma'am, may I have another? Well, uh, okay. Well, I mean, (laughs) well, yes, under those circumstances, actually, I very, 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 very much want to harm consenting humans. Mm-hmm. But see, consent is the crucial word here. Mm-hmm. If there is some consent happening, I will harm the bejesus out of you. <laughs> In the most loving of ways. In the most loving of ways. I just taught my uh, dominance and rough play class uh, yesterday, as a matter of fact. And I didn't have a demo bottom available because, you know, plague times. Mm-hmm. So I used a giant stuffed bear that I got that... Uh, blows up in this it's a portable you can collapse and you can put it in a suitcase Uh so it has a little blow pump so before the class i'm just trying to grow my bear so that i can consensually choke him and do breath play techniques and takedown techniques on my bear oh hopefully everybody else has a bear at home that they can practice their rough play on guess what his name is (sighs) okay something my bear your he's bear. My, he, what would your, he's my demo bottom. Guess what his name is? Uh, I mean, it wouldn't be Smokey. No. It's um, Pooh? 
No. Okay. Something obvious that I'm completely missing. Something super obvious. Something not he's like my, he's my bear, and his name is Bottom. He's my bear Bottom. Oh he's my, my god. He's my demo Bottom. So his so name his, is Bear his Bottom. Bottom. He's Bottom Bear. No, 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 no. He's his just his name is just Bottom. Just Bottom. Nothing, just Bottom, and he's my bear. <laughs> okay. He's my bear Bottom, okay. and I use him for demo practices in my when I'm doing my online classes. It's quite clever. Thank you very much. All right. Well, now you can use that as content. You can post it to your Patreon and <laughs> let I, everyone I will, see your bear bottom. I will let everyone see my bear bottom on Patreon. That's right. If you are curious, uh, I actually If you're did curious have... as to what Raid's bear bottom looks like. Because <laughs> that's very you hard You can to find see. it online almost anywhere. That is correct. Uh, I did actually have the class recorded. So I got a lot of inquiries. People wanted to see the Dominance and Rough Play class but couldn't match it up because of time. I have a recorded version of it and it will be going up on the Patreon along with a picture of my bear bottom. Mm, but not your, the, the, the bear named bottom. That's what Just I said. To be clear, yes. I said that. I yes. said that. That's my bear. His name is bottom. He is my demo bottom. So my bear bottom and the class will be up on my Patreon. Excellent. Because I am all about the education. Excellent. And consensually hurting people. Or stuffed animals. Uh, he, there was consent established. Yeah, you got... The bear is into it. Signature and triplicate. Yeah, and notarized. Mm. For those, the rest of you 8 billion out there that want to join the podcast Patreon, we'll throw that out there. Before we get started on this episode, just go to patreon.com backslash dirty talk podcast and you can get all the other great episodes we put out every other week when we're not doing this public facing one. I am going to start today with World War One. Okay. Now go on. World War One was an extremely interesting war for a number of reasons. First of all, it was the first modern war where all sorts of new technology and modern weaponry were being used to humanely kill each other or not humanely kill each not, other mustard gas was not there's humane. a lot of experimentation going on it's a lot of horrendous weapons being used against one another i guess their premise is hey we're not stabbing each other as much i'm currently in the middle of an eight-part documentary on rome mm -hmm. and everybody just dies by sword yeah. it's just very painful. Everyone's just, you're getting sliced, you're getting sliced, you get stabbed right in the guts, mm -hmm. your throat gets cut. So if you want to look at it from there's less slicing and dicing, mm -hmm. slightly more humane, but I've looked into mustard gas and that shit does not seem particularly humane. Well, it was one of the first wars where if you were killing somebody, you didn't necessarily have to do it face to face. You didn't have to mm -hmm. look in their eyes as you were killing them. Which, okay. which might be a little bit easier on the person doing the killing. There's, you know, there's this whole remote killing thing that we're doing yes. now. It just uh, seems more like a video game than anything else. Right. But it all started with World War One. The other thing that started with World War One, which I hadn't read into yet until I started finding this fascinating article from the University of Cambridge, and there was a new study which was recently published in the Journal of History of Sexuality about World War One. It was the first time that psychological warfare was used as well, mm. particularly around sexuality and how to sexually manipulate the troops that were fighting. Okay, go on. You have now piqued my interest. 
So the War Department, right after the U.S. entered the war, a lot of people in the U.S. didn't want to get involved in this war in Europe. And there wasn't a whole lot of motivation for them to go and fight because it wasn't... Why would I cross the entire ocean and go to a completely different continent and die on it? What's the point of that? Yeah. It's a hard pitch. I get it. It is a hard pitch. And so the the question they were asking themselves, well, how do we get these guys out there and motivate them to fight and put their best foot forward? And what the guy who published this study in the history of sexuality was proposing is they were trying to sexually frustrate the U.S. troops – because the more sexually frustrated and the more sexual denial they have, the harder they're willing to fight. Like there's oh, because you're rechanneling. If you can't, if you can't channel the energy by fucking someone, you're like, I'm going to go mm-hmm. kill someone. Yeah, it's fighting or fucking. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's really hard to get a sexually satisfied man to do a lot of stuff. I don't know if you've <laughs> ever noticed. But usually, a sexually satisfied man often will just kind of roll over. And fall asleep for a very period of time. But if you keep them in that heightened state, it's the same thing if you, you've gone to play parties and stuff like that. And you've seen that like frantic, hyper, yes. just, like I'm on the verge, I'm so horny and I want to come so bad, but I'm not going to let myself come because you're this riding that fine line. Are that explore denied orgasm and chastity and really relish being in that precipice before you tumble off the cliff into orgasm Mm -hmm. but just that that eagerness and that hunger that hasn't quite been satisfied some people stay there deliberately people that are engaging in chastity play i haven't had an orgasm Mm -hmm. in 93 days and they like to be in that headspace now it's 94 yeah, because it keeps you 95. focused. It keeps you just focused and alert and 96? intense. Are you going to keep counting to 100? No, no, I'm just saying that's it ramps up every day. Are you, are you I'm done? I'm done counting. You're done counting? I'm done. I was just making a point. I'll stop now. Point. Point made. I just wanted to really drill the point home. Mm-hmm. Deep. I wanted to drill it deep and, and – okay, go on. So the War Department – formed something that had never been formed before, which was the Commission on Training Camp Activities. Their sole purpose was to completely control what sort of things happened with the troops at the camps. Part of it was the YMCA was providing a lot of support services for the military camps. All the canteens were stocked with women and they specifically chose women who were in their 30s that were attractive their argument for this was because they were considered young enough to be alluring to the men but old enough to resist what they called khaki fever and refrain from sexual relations with the soldiers because they couldn't trust the younger girls who would like fall in love with the the soldiers so they wanted young, attractive women around the men, but in a controlled situation where they would go and buy stuff at the canteens. They would flirt with the guys to keep the guys on edge, but the guys would never get any. So if these constantly kept these men in this state of sexual arousal, then they could get the most 
out of all of them. It's also evident in a lot of the propaganda you see coming out in that time where you, I'm sure you've seen the posters where they're depicting the Germans as these like large, hairy ape guys with clubs and they're carrying away some beautiful, half-naked woman dressed torn open sort of thing. They're trying to signal to the soldiers, we're fighting these brutes that are trying to take our beautiful women away, but also the sexually suggestive nature of these posters were another thing for the men to see constantly in the barracks. They're mm. not getting any, but they, but it was like pinup porn for the time. You see were they things. also manipulating the time that the men had so they it was a struggle for them to find any private place to be able to jack off? I don't I didn't see that in this article. Um, I'm kind of curious because if you have them up to a tizzy, mm -hmm. I feel like the next logical step was also to keep them so busy that they never really had time to jack off. Yeah. Well, they did. They kept them busy with a lot of other things because they also uh, highly encouraged them to write letters to their women back home. So the commanding officers, when the men didn't have anything to do, they would press them to send letters back hoping that as they wrote the letters in the presence of these canteen worker ladies, it would remind them of the women back home and heighten their sexuality by like thinking of this girl back home. I want to get back to you. And of course, that's the first thing I want to do when I get home is get a little something. But wouldn't that make them less inclined to travel across the ocean and risk death? Well, but not if they've been just forced into the military on their own. Yeah. I mean, okay, I mean, I, I, I guess I could kind of see it, but it's like, hey, get that, get that horn really going hard and then be like, and by the way, you, we know that you really want to go home and mm -hmm. plow some fields, but no, you get to get on a plane and travel across an entire ocean and possibly die on another continent. Yeah. I, I do know that, um, Supposedly, when the American soldiers landed in Europe, they were uh, rather enthusiastically plowing their way through uh, as many receptive partners as they could find. That changed with this whole thing because they one of the critiques that the U.S. had for the British and French troops that they were meeting over there is they had a very laissez-faire attitude towards the men mingling with the women. That's why the U.S. started this whole program, and it was led by these a number of uh, psychologists, uh, really prominent psychologists of the day. Each one of them had published books arguing that sexual control paired with the stimulation and rerouting of sexual energy was critical to motivating the soldiers in the front line. So these guys, this was basically their theory that they were trying to prove in real life by experimenting on the soldiers and seeing how can we manipulate the soldiers in this way to keep their sexual excitement elevated. And so, yeah, they went over there, they were flirting with other people, but then they started controlling it. They started only having allowing them to go to dances that this organization put together. They selectively picked the women that would attend the dances. They made sure that there was no sexual dancing at all going on they could they could associate with the women but their whole time there was so highly structured and monitored just so they could interact with women have them in the presence get them to this heightened sense of sexual arousal and then remove the women and then send them into battle 
All right. Now that everything is rock hard and throbbing mm -hmm. and ready to be inserted somewhere, go out and fight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because they needed to, they needed some outlet for that energy. If it wasn't going to be in sexually engaging with women, it would be going out and fighting the the enemy. And also if they saw the enemy as the roadblock between them and what they really want, which is just going home and plowing through whatever is waiting for them back home, they'll be more motivated to go out, destroy the enemy, so that way I can get me some of what I actually want. That makes sense. Yeah. I just I this whole article was fascinating about that it just so much changed with World War One, not just the weaponry, but just how the psychological warfare, not just with the enemy, but with being able to manipulate and control our own troops changed, and it's continuing to this day. It is a stone-cold fact that people do shift and adapt their sexual behaviors for the circumstances around them. And if it's in World War One, and you're like, oh my God, I want this, I desire this, it's it's incredibly clever to figure out how can we weaponize people's lust. We here at the Dirty Talk podcast do love us some science. Yay, science. Yay, We're big fans. Science. <laughs> We're into it. And surprising me, not at all, but now there's a study behind it. Since the Supreme Court flipped abortion rulings and Roe versus Wade, it has had an effect on people's sexual behavior. Mm -hmm. Now, I know that's not necessarily surprising. How could it not? And I know that one of the drumbeats that people who are against abortion keep circling back to is, well, people use abortion as birth control. And that's mm -hmm. what we're trying to prevent is to not have people rely on abortion as birth control. And I had always believed, while I myself have not had an abortion, a number of my friends have gone through them and they are indeed exceedingly not pleasant. And I don't see how anyone could rely on abortion as a birth control. There's got to be easier ways to do birth control than an abortion. It's kind of an intrusive method of birth control. But Match.com just did a pretty thorough study. And they have found that four out of five singles have changed their dating behavior since the end of Roe versus Wade. One out of five adults are more hesitant to have sex, and four out of five Americans have shifted how they now approach dating with a focus on conscientious dating. So they're choosing to look beyond just sheer primal physical attraction, and they're looking for dating as a way to learn more about themselves, find a partner who helps someone learn about who they are, what they need and their behavioral patterns through that process. Hmm. So I guess with abortion being a readily accessed thing, um, people were more casual, which, I mean, surprises me because that's not how I would approach it. But, mm -hmm. you know, we have, we have the data here. You know, it's not just Roe versus Wade. It's the pandemic. It's the inflation. And more limited access to abortions, which is causing single people to rethink about how they go on dates. Mm -hmm. 
according to this poll, now 53% of people are willing to start a relationship with someone who lives over three hours away. And just last year, only 35% were willing. Hmm. So from in the space of a single year, from 35% to 53% to, to flip. To, and like the thing is, I don't think three hours is an unreasonable. If you found someone that you really clicked with, I don't think driving three hours to see them would be unreasonable. I mean, I've been dating somebody that lives three hours away, and, but I mean, it all depends on the person. If, if they make it worthwhile. Exactly that. And uh, the they actually did, Match.com did a pretty thorough study, which I find pretty interesting. Uh, seven out of 10 people say that sex improves their mental health. I can certainly agree with that. Mm-hmm. And 71% feel better after a bedroom romp. Hmm. And I'm like, only 71? Like, I mean, well, I- Well, it's those not- poor people that are disappointed by the sex. Oh, Okay. I, I mean, I'm not going to bother with sex unless I know that it's going to be good. But if it is good, it's not a 71%. It's like a 100% increase. Now, what I find interesting here with this study is that according to it, people are now less focused on um, vaccines. They have a, a fading hmm concern about covid mm-hmm. well as as it goes on there's a desensitivity that happens to the general population where they haven't gotten it yet or they don't really know many people have right. gotten it they just kind of become desensitized to the whole thing We're like, well, maybe i don't really need a vaccine so i just in this week have talked to two different people that got covid for the first time and it was completely humbling uh-huh. until it happens to you you're like i'm fine it's no big deal I'm i can i yes and then and then it finally gets you and you're like oh oh oh, oh wait wait just a minute just a titch oops that changes things you, it never affects people until it hits home mm. um i i only want to invest my time in people that take their health and safety seriously that's important to me mm-hmm. but just last year in 2021 47% of people said that they wanted their date to be vaccinated. Hmm. Now in 2022, that's down to just 40%. And 37% of people say they don't care and they would date someone who did not get vaccinated. Hmm. Interesting. So I definitely with the uh, pandemic jaded, it's just people are like, okay, well, whatever. It's not a big deal. I know that people are like, I want COVID to be over so badly that um, that's the most important thing. Yeah. I need to believe the narrative that COVID is over. Uh, this was actually a, a fairly thorough study that uh, addressed a lot of things. And uh, I found it interesting that people are like, oh, I don't fucking care anymore about vaccine. That's not going to be an issue. I don't care if you're three hours away. That's not going to be an issue. Uh, but I'm not just going to get all a tither and smash my genitals against you. I'm going to be a, uh, a bit more cautious with it because of the abortion issues and, mm-hmm. you know, because also of the looming pandemic. threat of the loss of abortion. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and which, which kind of in reading the study and doing a deep dive in it surprised me a bit because I always had disagreed with the uh, pro-life people's proponent that people relied on abortion for birth control. I'm mm-hmm. like, that is ridiculous. That's a very ineffective form of well, birth control. Well, it is, control. but it's also kind of like plan F. If all else fails, that's 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And now plan F is gone and people mm-hmm. are like, I need to be a lot more cautious about where I am throwing about this semen because you never know. Mm-hmm. It's true. Oh, speaking of birth control and semen, mm-hmm. did you know that sperm smells? Uh, I'm very aware that uh, sperm has a rather specific and distinct odor, and I've certainly been in circumstances where I have uh, huffed the air and said to myself, self is what I've said, there's a lot of smelly sperm in the air. Mm -hmm. Especially when it gets old and ripe and kind of develops. Marinates. Yes, and it's hot outside. Yeah. It's kept in an enclosed environment. It kept in a closed environment, much like uh, regular listeners of this podcast will know that I have known. Oh, is it okay if I bust you? Is this? Will this make you? Am I going to make you feel uncomfortable? Does anything make me feel uncomfortable? Rarely. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, I have known our, our lovely co-host here since he was a teenager, mm-hmm. and full of hormones. He- Full. You're still full of hormones. Yeah, You're not just as not... many. They just tapered off over the years. But a slow <laughs> decline. <laughs> well, you're not quite as full of hormones as when you were 16 and mm. just vibrating yes. to the hilt. My underpants do not look like a glazed donut anymore is what you're saying. Oh, 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 hold on. Hold on. Wait. Ah! Oh, it seems like this is making you more uncomfortable than it's making me. No, it's just glazed donut is a very uh, descriptive description, and I'm needing to get past the glazed uh, donut. I was in my mind. I was a teenage boy that was obsessed with masturbation, like all other teenage boys. Good so it gee. makes me not unique in any way not whatsoever. So in your in your teenager house, you lived uh, in a somewhat small room. Uh, and it was on the, the second story of the house, so we would get a little hot box. Mm-hmm. It was like and an you, attic. You were in a small attic hot box, just masturbating furiously. And um, when you would walk up the steps, and I could indeed smell semen. So you're telling me that semen smells. And I'm like, yes, my friend, I know. Not in that way, though. Uh, what? Oh, okay, when, what other way does semen smell? I just found this out myself, but I guess this knowledge has been around for quite a long time. I just stumbled upon it. Sperm cells possess the same sort of odor receptors that allow the nose to smell. So they are on the tip of the sperm cells. They have these same receptors. So the thought is the way they find the egg is that there's some other chemical being released and they're following kind of this chemical scent trail to where the egg is. Oh, like ants when they follow the pee trail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And so they okay. found that the, the sperm cells do travel towards this, uh, what they call virginal. It's just called virginal is what, what they've called, what they've named it. And, and you can... Get them in a lab condition if you have a bunch of sperm in a petri dish and you put some of this chemical receptor in there, the sperm will start going towards it, the the virginal stuff. This is a way that they found that they can separate out the highly modal sperm from the other ones, 
when you're doing in vitro fertilization. Remember how we talked about the sperm Olympics before? I'm putting them yes, through the different remember. events, which is great. I love the sperm Olympics. But you can also separate them out by by giving them this chemical chemical attractant and seeing which ones of them will jump to it and go to it as fast as possible. There's also another smell that's called undercanal. And these are weird words that they've come up with, but it's it's a repellent. So sperm don't like to go to this undercanal smell. One of the things they've been theorizing is they can come up with another form of birth control if you can introduce something oh. into the the woman's reproductive tract that has the undercanal in it, it will repulse the sperm oh. and make them not want to go towards where the egg is. Wow. Or okay. if you can use the uh, virginal and distract them to somewhere else. So if the, the sperm are released, but then you have this decoy virginal over here and then they was like, oh, it's obviously over here. We're going to follow that scent over here to the virginal. Then you divert the sperm away from the path that they want to actually take, and therefore they never interact with the egg. That's a lot more effective than ancient Egyptians using crocodile dung as mm -hmm. birth control. Yeah. I mean, certain that had some smell, and obviously it had to have some sort of effect in terms of birth control, but I wouldn't want to be an ancient Egyptian woman having to pack my lady bits full of crocodile dung in an attempt not to have a baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I just found this fascinating. I never knew that sperm cells have olfactory receptors on them and they are following this chemical scent towards the egg in order to fertilize it. I didn't know either. And that's actually fascinating research that we're probably going to have to be using more because despite the fact that we have now 8 billion people on the planet, we're also having across all continents, all cultures, in all ethnicities, we are having crashing fertility rates. Mm -hmm. And people used to have nine children, 10 children. Most of them weren't going to make it. But obviously, people were a lot more fertile than they are now. And we don't quite have a reason as to why the fertility is not an exact reason. I have some theories. Mm -hmm. In rabbit warrens, under times of great stress, uh, pregnant rabbits will reabsorb their the babies in the womb. Mm -hmm. They'll be like, this is not the time to have babies. Mm -mm -mm. And they will, even if they're pregnant, they whoop, undo it. They're like, we're sucking that back up. I can't help but feel that the crashing fertility rates has something to do with the fact that our at a cellular level, our bodies are like, hold on a tick. Things are a little chaotic. We've got a pandemic. We've got overpopulation. We've got climate change. Perhaps now is not the time to be pumping out the babies, you know, 10 per womb. Well, there still are countries where the population is on the rise, but it is being counteracted by a lot of other areas of the world where it's declining. And I know we were terribly worried about how are we going to fit all these people? How are we going to deal with everything when there's billions and billions and billions of us? And now very much the fear is within the next few years, like going out 20, 30 years is are we going to have enough people to even maintain the status quo that we have now as people start aging out and dying and we're not re regenerating the population? 
Well, perhaps there could be less of us that I think that humanity would still survive. We're very determined and mm-hmm. stubborn like cockroaches. Yeah. But you could take 20% off the top, Squirrely Dan, and I think we would still be okay. Yeah. Volunteer suicide booths. Uh, we here at the Dirty Talk podcast are not suggesting that because I can already hear the irate letters. I would like to point out that my co-host uh, does like to poke people with a sharp stick. It's true. And um, that's p- one of his things. And I hear Rain to Gray of not poking anyone with a sharp stick. Or my finger. I'll use my finger too sometimes. Yes, yes. Either or sharp stick or your finger just to see if you can get them to sometimes jump. Sometimes I like to poke people with other things as well. Right, indeed. Yes, okay. And now we're talking about sex. Consensually. Consensually. Consensually is key. And we here at the Dirty Talk podcast are not advocating for suicide booths because that's going to be triggering for someone. Well, we are advocating for people's choice to use a suicide booth if they want to use a suicide booth. That Correct. I, uh, consent is key. Mm-hmm. We're not saying Afford- mandatory suicide, but if you want to. I believe that people have the that the one thing that you should have absolute power over is your own body. Mm-hmm. And as a female-bodied person, uh, I have gone through life not having as much power over my own flesh as I would like. And for sure, here we at the Dirty Talk podcast do vehemently believe that if it's your flesh, you get to do what you want with that flesh. Yes. And other people should shut the fuck up about it. Yes. That's my belief. That's our belief. Because I'm very against censorship. I'm very against oppression. And I'm very against people that aren't me telling me what I can and can't do as long as what I'm doing isn't harming other people. Uh, You know that one of my ongoing themes that I keep addressing because this is uh, an issue I keep running into is online censorship. Mm-hmm. And as an educator and as someone who genuinely believes in distributing knowledge to help people, mm-hmm. uh, I see and I encounter censorship all of the time. Yeah. And as someone who is very online and has to deal with online stuff seven days a week, I do see that the censorship is there. It's undeniable. It's unevenly applied. And once it you get affected by it. There's very little recourse you have. And anyone who follows me on social media will hear me talk about shadow banning and censorship and suppression and lack of engagement. Uh, But it doesn't just happen to people like me that are doing sexy time talk. For instance, Mary McIntyre, guess what she did wrong? Guess what her crime was? Um, that caused her to be locked out of her Twitter for months. She didn't hide her female presenting nipples. Ooh, you would think that will definitely get you in trouble, and that is a significant crime. And I can, shame, I can shame, freely shame. show my male nipples all over the internet without That's any recourse. Part of your male privilege yep. must be nice. I'm rubbing my male privilege right here. <laughs> my privileged male are- nipples. They're quite taut and erect right now, with privilege. Fuck you. Fuck you so, so fucking hard. No, Mary McIntyre (laughs) did not have any male privilege presenting nipples. Her crime that caused her to be locked out of her Twitter for months was, are you ready for it? She posted a video. 
<gasps> of mm. a meteor. Ooh, was it a sexy meteor? <laughs> I, it, was it, it full must of have, holes? It must have been an extremely sexy meteor because as an astronomer, she was locked out of her Twitter for months because she posted a video. She it should have was, put tassels on the meteor. She, she needs to cover those meteor-presenting nipples. Mm -hmm. uh, and she would still not have access to her account, but BBC News published her story. And that's the thing, is that not only is the censorship and suppression very unevenly and arbitrarily and illogically applied, but once you've been caught in the dragnet, there's nothing you can do. Mm -hmm. There's no appeals. There's nowhere you can go. I've had this on my Twitter. I've had it on my Facebook. I've had it on my Instagram. And they're just like, yeah, sucks to be you. Sorry. Shame on you. In this case, she was indeed an innocent astronomer who likes meteors. And yet she would still be locked out of her account if BBC had not picked up the story. Mm -hmm. And then Twitter's like, whoopsie doopsie. I guess your meteor video is not as scandalous as we alleged. I've seen the video. Are you ready for it? Here, I'm just going to share uh, it with you. Let me get, let okay, me get a so, tissue. Let me get it. Uh, let me, gird, gird let me get one loins. hand free and a tissue. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, that's a meteor. That's meaty. It's, so so I, for, I did some like AI bot think it was a picture of some sky dick or something she received a message from twitter's content moderation team saying that she'd broken the site rules <laughs> and that was it that's it you're just uh -huh. caught in the dragnet there's nothing that you can do uh i'm looking at the pictures right now it is a it's a black sky and 99 percent of the photo is black and there is a Small slicing line of a meteor, uh, one percent of the photo. Okay, maybe two percent of the photo is a meteor, and somewhere, somehow, someone on high at Twitter mm -hmm. decreed that this meteor video was intimate content. That was an NSFW meteor, was what they think. <laughs> and once that decision has been made, there's nothing you can do. Mm -hmm. Sucks to be you. Sorry. You're bad. You're naughty. We don't want you on the internet. Yeah. Uh, she refused to delete the tweet because she believed doing so would be an omission of guilt. And if she hadn't gone to a news media source to discuss what happened, she still would be locked out of her account. And I have a concern as a very online person who interacts with most other humans on this planet online is how effective and oppressive and wide-ranging the censorship is. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing that we can do. We as humans uh, in this new social media age need to go online in order to interact with people and reach people and communicate with people. And those that control the social media platforms control the flow of information. And information and knowledge is power. And... There's nothing this woman has done other than be into meteors. Shame. Really into meteors. <laughs> Too into meteors. I would very much like for there to be less censorship and suppression. I, I feel often like I'm living in a cyberpunk version of The Handmaid's Tale, 
But at least I am not a fan of soccer. Mm -hmm. And at least you haven't had to participate in any public stonings yet. <laughs> well, this timeline gets weirder by the day. If I was a fan of soccer, I could be risking jail if I wanted to go to Qatar, which is having the... Now, I know that someone's going to listen to this because we do have European listeners. We have worldwide listeners. Mm -hmm. I know you said our numbers are low. We're worldwide. They are not... They're not 8 billion people. But we're close. We are we're worldwide. rounding up. We're rounding people, up. Our listenership, we're rounding up to 8 billion. We're, we're slowly hey, getting there. We're, we're big in India. People like yeah. us in India. Wow. We are... Yeah, it's true. We have the data. We've discussed this in the past. So there is some debate on to how you say Qatar, 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 Qatar. Yeah. What the, the where the World Cup is being hosted this year, which is indeed, I'm just going to come out and say it. I believe there's some corruption. I believe money has exchanged hands. Of all the places that you could convince soccer fans, I know hooligans. I'm going to hop on a hooligans, hooligans who like to be hooligans. Mm -hmm. hey, hey, hooligans got a hooligan. Well, not in Qatar because drugs, alcohol, pornography, pork products, religious books, and material being imported into Qatar are illegal. Mm -hmm. So if you're like, I like me some soccer. But I want a pocket pussy with me. I want some various powders. Uh, I like to travel with the Bible also, but mm -hmm. then some hustler magazines. Mm -hmm. You could go to prison. You cannot import any of those things in. And mm -hmm. I feel like it's a big ask to tell hooligans no drugs, no alcohol, and, and no pornography They or and no sex toys. Yeah. They might be willing to travel without the Bible. But if I was super into sports, I would not be purchasing a plane ticket and flying halfway across the world to hang out in a desert where there is absolutely no alcohol. Yeah. And they, there was some dithering as to alcohol is going to be extremely limited and it's extremely expensive. And now they've banned all alcohol from the actual event. Mm -hmm. I, I find uh, corruption. Um, a topic I'm quite interested in. And I feel that as time passes, it's going to come out that there was corruption, there was money changing hands. Mm -hmm. It's completely illogical to have the World Cup here. Yeah. And you're expecting fans to channel a lot of money to come here. And less than 24 hours ago, they keep shifting their rules for alcohol, and every time they shift it, they get it even more conservative. Mm -hmm. And now they have completely banned all alcohol from the stadiums mm -hmm. whatsoever. I mean, this sucks for me because the only way I've ever been able to enjoy watching a soccer match is by using a vibrator on myself while wearing a G-string made out of pages from the Bible, massive amounts of cocaine, drinking... <laughs> Huge quantities of alcohol and eating a pork chop. So I guess uh, no soccer for me this year. <laughs> I guess not. I mean, honestly, just about anything would be more enjoyable under those Watching me do that would be more enjoyable than, wa than watching soccer being played, I would think. <laughs> it would. <laughs> it would. 
<laughs> well, notice I'm not purchasing a plane ticket to go mm. hang out in the desert and have no access to beer. Yes. While risking jail if I were to bring a dildo with me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you've seen inside my luggage, there's a lot of dildos. There's a lot of dildos in your luggage. You have articles you've written about it. It's important. Yeah. I, and you never know. I'm like the Girl Scouts. I like to be prepared. Yeah. I'm just going to put this out there. Join our Patreon. And uh, I may post videos of me watching soccer on there. Possibly, possibly not. <laughs> now that you know how I do it, how I like to roll. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Oh, That's right. We're getting goodness. the rest of you eight billion on okay. board. <laughs> Hold on, just a second. I need to, I need to take a deep breath. All right. I mean, that's a that that should get some more Patreon supporters for sure. <laughs> Patreon.com backslash Dirty Talk Podcast. See you there. I'm rubbing my nipples right now. Yeah, it's sizzling, smoking. <laughs> Your nipples aren't full of privilege, though, like mine are. No, fuck Sorry. you. All right. All right. I'm give, me, take... give, me, give me a non-privileged jaunty salute for these fine folks while I rub the privilege out of my chest. Oh, fuck you so hard. Over and out. We will catch you all next week if you are a Patreon supporter. Otherwise, it's two weeks from now. Yep. So talk to you or talk at you when we talk at you. Bye. <laughs>